0: Live. I am your host, Joe Molinac. So good to be back with you on the SB Nation podcast network, however you're listening to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, on grizzlybearblues.com itself, however you're taking in the podcast. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us. We have a lot to get to. It's been a while since we've been on these airwaves, and we will get to all of that. But first, I want to give you a rundown of how to get in touch with us at grizzlybearblues.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I am the site manager of SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues at Joe Mullinax. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Live, and you can also follow the blog itself, grizzlybearblues.com. At SBN Grizzlies, we've got a great show lined up for you this time around. I have two terrific guests, one who's been on the podcast several times, one who is making her first appearance. So I'm excited to have a good mix here in the next segment. You'll hear Holly Whitfield of the I Love Memphis blog. You might have heard this, but we are back in the watch party game. And we're doing it with 92.9 FM ESPN Memphis this time around. Holly is partnering with us at GBB. I will be in attendance. Holly will be in attendance. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to talk about that watch party on June 20th at the Bluff in Memphis. We'll also talk about the connection to Memphis and the Grizzlies between Mike Conley, Marcus Saul, the idea of moving on from the city, all sorts of fun things going on in Memphis leading up to the draft. So we'll talk about all that with Holly And then in the second segment, making her first appearance on GBB Live will be Jessica Benson. She does a great job for ABC Memphis as their sports anchor and reporter. We'll talk to her about John Morant's knee, whether or not that scares her, the overall energy towards the Grizzlies because of winning the number two pick in the 2019 NBA Draft Lottery. And we'll also talk about the future of Mike Conley and Jonas Valanciunas in Memphis. So We have a loaded show, but before we get to all of that, I do want to address something. That is a bit frustrating for me as a site manager, blogger, hybrid media person. Whatever you want to classify me as, this is something that grinds my gears. In the past couple of years, the Grizzlies have been in search of something. An identity. They haven't had it. It's been a long time since they've had it. Grit and grind, all that stuff. Zach and Tony have been gone two years. And Memphis has lost its way as a basketball club at the professional level. In terms of identity, they don't have one. Finally, finally, it appears as though they're investing in a process to try to find out what it means to be a Grizzly again. Don't have a head coach yet. I don't care. They've interviewed seven people, at least publicly. They've probably interviewed more than that privately. We don't know who the head coach is going to be. We're about two weeks from the draft. I don't care. They're taking their time. That's good. John ja Moran. Also good. Likely the selection for the Grizzlies at number 2 and I think that's the right choice. But why defend him as if he's Mike Conley? Why put your neck out there and get so frustrated when somebody brings up the idea of RJ Barrett as the number 2 pick for the Memphis Grizzlies? It doesn't make sense to me. It tells me on one end that you didn't watch Duke very much this year. I'm an ACC guy. I'm a UVA fan. Go Hoos, national champs. UVA lost to Duke twice, and one of the major reasons for that was R.J. and Barrett. That dude can score the basketball in a variety of ways. He has good size on the wing. He has the potential to be a good facilitator and a plus defender. He could be James Harden. That's possible. Why is it so outrageous to say, hey, let's take a look at R.J. Barrett. Let's invite him in for a workout. Why does that anger you so? Why does the idea of someone other than R.J. Barrett put so many people in a tizzy? It doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't mean that R.J. Barrett's a better fit. I agree that John Morant's a better fit. The story of John Morant is a Memphis story that didn't happen in Memphis. You have my support on that front. He is a Memphis player with a Memphis mentality And we talk about identity and what it means to be a Memphis Grizzly. I've written about this over at grizzlybearblues.com. I wrote about it during the GBB mock draft, the community draft that's going on right now. Go check it out. He makes sense for the Grizzlies. He should be the pick at number two. But R.J. Barrett can play. And the only thing that R.J. Barrett is guilty of when it comes to his performance this past season at Duke is being the teammate of Zion Williamson. Because R.J. Barrett, the presumptive number one pick in this draft before the season began, all he did was per- perform to that level. Just not as good as Zion. And not as flashy as Ja. So John Morant, I'm 100% behind picking him. That makes total sense. I will be happy to follow John Morant's career as a cornerstone of the Grizzlies alongside Jaron Jackson Jr. Makes all the sense in the world. All I ask is you consider R.J. Barrett, just like you're considering all these other candidates for head coaching positions. You've got a brain trust in place. You're trying to get more folks involved in the process, talking through things, exploring options. Do the same thing with your roster. Do the exact same thing with your roster. Put those folks to work. And if you come to the end of the road of your questions and your debates and you land on jaw, go with God. All I want is a conversation. And I think that we as fans, bloggers, media types, we have to be able to have that conversation and acknowledge that while John Morant is probably the best fit for the Memphis Grizzlies, there are other guys that can also potentially fit with the Memphis Grizzlies. Keep that perspective moving forward as the NBA draft approaches. I had an opportunity to chat with the wonderful Holly Whitfield about this exact thing. The idea of John Morant being a great fit for the Grizzlies, the look of Memphis this time of year, now that the Tigers and the Grizzlies have so much positive vibes, especially in the case of the Grizzlies, it was pretty dark there for a while. The convey or don't convey debate might have killed us all, but we came out of it on the other end and, wonder of wonder, miracle of miracles, we are better for it because of the luck, lucky bounce of some ping pong balls. I talked to Holly about that and more. Here is our chat about not just the Grizzlies, but also our watch party on June 20th. And at this time by one of my very favorite people in Memphis. She does a remarkable job over at the I love Memphis blog. You know, her as I love Memphis blogger uh, Holly Whitfield. We're excited to have her back on the podcast because grizzly bear blues and I love Memphis are back in the watch party business together. We're hanging out at the bluff in Memphis with 92.9 FM ESPN Memphis this time around. Uh, We're going to be doing a watch party for the 2019 NBA draft. And to talk about that and a lot more things is Holly Whitfield. Holly, how are you doing, ma'am? I
1: am great. I'm super. That intro got me excited about our watch party.
0: (laughs) Yes, I am excited about it too. And last year, for those who have been following along with us for a while now, Holly and I, and obviously GBB and I Love Memphis, Uh, We did a watch party uh, last year, too. It was in conjunction with the Memphis Grizzlies and with Rec Room in Memphis, and that was a lot of fun, and we did some good things there, but this is kind of taking it to a different kind of feel. It won't be, you know, one part here, one part there. It'll all be at the Bluff. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know that the Facebook event page is live. Holly finished that up on Tuesday, so make sure you're checking that out. It'll be shared all over social media. We'll share it on Twitter. Um, And we'll talk about it throughout the next few weeks here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live and over at grizzlybearblues.com. But make sure that you are making the bluff the place that you're going to watch John Morant become a Memphis Grizzly. And that's kind of where I want to lead off with you, Holly. It seems almost predestined now that are predetermined that John Morant is going to be the pick. There's been some injury concerns with Ja of late, just uh, had surgery on his knee to clean up some issues in there, a loose body, uh, using the exact quote from Woj on Twitter. Anytime Memphis Grizzlies fans hear knee surgery, that they should have a shiver go down their spine. But I don't think it'll scare them off from what most folks believe is the number two prospect in this draft. Holly, nobody knows Memphis and the, the pulse of the city better than you, What does an event, like having the number two overall pick, obviously the Grizzlies have had it in the past, but what does that do for the energy in the city, especially with the Grizzlies who have had a couple of down seasons? Now they have Jaron Jackson Jr. in the fold, and they have presumptively John Morant. How does that help with the energy around the Grizzlies?
1: Well, I think the reaction has already been and will definitely be immediate excitement let me use a a sort of a microcosm of Memphis energy about this number two draft pick from a couple weeks ago. I was at the World Championship Barbecue Cooking Contest for Memphis in May, locally known as Barbecue Fest. I'm standing out in front of the Barbecue Fest tent. There are hundreds, if not thousands of people out in the crowd around me. The lottery is going on, The news comes down that Grizzlies have confirmed for the number two pick and the crowd goes wild. Just if you weren't paying attention to what was going on at that moment on your phone, you wouldn't really have no idea why a bunch of people at a barbecue competition suddenly started streaming. But we did because we had our eyes on that draft pick. And I think that that excitement that we saw just from knowing that the pick was settled uh, is what we're gonna see across the city. Uh, once this is finalized on June 20th. So I'm excited about it. I think that a lot of people fell in love with the Grizzlies in the grit and grind era over the past few years. That's been talked about and talked about. Um, And a lot of those people are still Grizzlies fans, but they may not have the same energy. So I think bringing in these two young stars These guys that have so much potential and so much excitement is going to bring something much needed in terms of a revival or mini revival for Grizzlies fans. Maybe people who had sort of let their season tickets lapse or, you know, anecdotally, we know people are kind of less involved in certain ways, even if their heart's still in it. Um, They're going to, you know, be in FedEx Forum. They're going to be at our watch party. They're going to be ready to go now.
0: Yes, and if anything, it expedites the rebuild, right? And I think that for a long time, and I know you've probably gotten tired of this, as many other Grizzlies fans have, the the debate of conveying the draft pick or not to Boston and all that stuff, that kind of gets tossed away now because you have Jaron Jackson, like we mentioned, and he appears to be one of the top young players in the NBA. And now, if you get the draft pick right, you'll have a fellow cornerstone to put next to Jaron for the next decade or so. It's almost like a rebirth of the Mark and Mike dynamic. If you take John Morant, Jaron Jackson playing the role of Mark Gasol, hopefully better than Mark. And that's not to to slight Mark. You just want better in the next generation. And John Morant to kind of play the role of Mike Conley. And that leads me to my next uh, kind of awkward topic. The the idea (laughs) of trading Mike Conley because everybody gets excited. Yeah, John Morant, John Morant. He plays the same position as Mike Conley. And while theoretically they could coexist You have to know Mike Conley's watching Marcus All in Toronto, which we'll talk more about here in a moment, and wondering why not him. Memphis is still very much in the midst of a rebuild. I think that they're probably going to go all in on the rebuild now instead of trying to go halfway like they did with former general manager Chris Wallace. So now you're looking at a situation where Mike Conley is sitting on a roster that he obviously is connected to. He loves the city. He's made that very clear. But at the same time, the roster in the franchise is going in a direction that is not conducive to Mike Conley's timeline. He's probably only got four or five more years tops of being a top flight NBA basketball player to spend at least half of that in the middle of running around with a bunch of young kids trying to figure out how to play NBA ball probably isn't best for Mike's career. He has to feel torn. And I feel like Grizzlies fans, while they've accepted that it's probably best to move on from Mike, like I think most folks agree it was best to move on from Mark, that's still going to kind of be painful. I, I think John Morant will help soften that blow a little bit. But saying goodbye to Mike Conley, which is probably going to happen this sooner rather than later, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow.
1: It is. I mean, you can't deny that. You can't deny the emotional – I'm not going to say nostalgic. It's not been that long, guys. But the emotional ties that we have to Mike. Um, all my jerseys are going to be – obsolete (laughs) soon so yeah i mean you can't deny that it's going to be sad and there are going to be those people again that kind of fell in love with the grizzlies a couple years ago that are really tied to that and you know it's going to be up to folks like you and our pals at espn and everybody else who is keeping us updated on the grizzlies to kind of educate these old new fans on the new guys and i think that once we get into the groove a little bit and we kind of start seeing some hopefully results on the court that it's it's all going to be okay <laughs> it's all going to be fine i mean there's going to be some emotion for sure but we saw that with evo and we saw that with mark and people survived people people made it through they got over it i mean they also have to understand if they really do care about mike as a person and the contributions he's made to the city and you know wanting that for him wanting him to find a place that fits him where he is now where he is now in his career um is the right way to feel
0: sure and it's one of those unique things we talk about over at grizzly bear blues a lot with Mark watching him and we'll talk more about him in a moment but watching him having the success he's having in Toronto, most po- folks agree that, as I mentioned before, it was time to move on from Mark. Mark seemed unsettled with the way things were going. The Grizzlies didn't necessarily want to lose him for nothing with his player option coming up. He had the option to lo- to leave. It, it, it kind of worked out. And now Marc is playing for an NBA championship, and the Grizzlies have landed the number two pick. They have a couple of young-ish players and DeLon Wright and Jonas Valanciunas potentially that they can kind of put a roster around trying to build around Jaron Jackson Jr. But you look at Mike's situation, you know, he he became a man in Memphis. He got married in Memphis. He had his children, his, yeah, his first kids in Memphis. He has really kind of put down roots. And that's what you want, right? That's what you want, not just from your athletes, but also from people in general, especially in the Memphis community. You want people to settle down. You want people to to kind of make their homes in Memphis. And it seems like Mike Conley has really bought into that idea. So while it may be best for the basketball franchise to move on from Mike and get as much value in terms of assets as you can for the basketball player, from a human perspective, Mike Conley's probably one of the better Memphians we have. Shipping him out of town feels kind of counterproductive.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough. And we all know people that have moved from Memphis who did so much to invest while they were here. But I mean, that's just, that's just the way it goes, you know? And if Memphis wants to fully, like fully climb out of this, like, um, you know, the self-defeating thing that we talk about sometimes is that where people in Memphis are harder on the city that they need to be, if we ever want to like fully move on from that, we do have to start taking things like this a little less personally, because. There's going to be new people that will come in and step up and Conley has set an example for people, whether it's athletes or other high profile professionals or just anybody that moves to a city to show them the way that it's done and to show them how you can put down roots. And even if those roots aren't forever, you have so many years and so many valuable memories and valuable a valuable legacy, really. So even though he still has years ahead of him, he does have a legacy in Memphis. So, yeah, it it seems counterproductive and it will hurt to lose him. But, you know, me, my blog is called I Love Memphis. So I'm the optimistic one who's like, hey, Mike Conley can just, like, set a great example for the new guys coming in. Um, And maybe they can kind of not take his place, but, you know, be inspired by his role to, you know, do their own things to put down roots in Memphis and families and, you know, all of the ways that these NBA players give back and the Grizzlies give back to the community overall. They're always recognized as one of the top, um, most giving, you know, involved teams. So my and colleague is a big part of that. And I don't think that that is going to go away. I don't think we're going to lose that legacy from him, even if he and his family have to go.
0: I'm chatting with Holly Whitfield of the I Love Memphis blog. We're talking about all things Grizzlies in Memphis right now, but especially the 2019 NBA Draft Watch Party that we are throwing alongside 92.9 FM ESPN there in Memphis. Jason and John of their midday show will be at the party. We'll have a live podcast going. Holly's going to have great giveaways. GBB will have great giveaways. Uh, It's going to be a blast. Make sure you're planning on joining us at the Bluff Memphis on june 20th the festivities will start around seven o'clock and again make sure you're following holly on twitter if you don't already do so i'm sure you probably do but if you don't uh at i love memphis blog is the place where you can check her out now as far as marcus all and i kind of want to tie these two things together i've been looking forward to talking with you holly because this is kind of a twofer here uh as you you talked about folks that eventually leave memphis and Memphis is one of those cities that kind of sticks with you. And I'm one of those people that understands that firsthand because I'm one of those people. Um, I was in Memphis for three years, and then life took my wife and I away from the city. Uh, Our family's in Virginia, which is where I am now, and, and things just kind of worked out and made more sense for our family to be here. But that doesn't mean that I don't miss Memphis almost daily. In fact, a major reason I still do what I do is because of how much I love that city and the soul of that city and the energy of that place. It's different than anywhere I've ever been. And anybody who's ever actually spent enough time to get to know Memphis would attest to that. Even if it's not necessarily for them, they can at least say, yeah, that's a special spot. So when you see a commercial like Facebook did, which you can debate whether or not it's a good thing that Facebook did it, but the, the, the Memphis in May group you know I could kind of relate to that, you know, folks missing Memphis wanting to be there, you know, especially when I saw all the barbecue fest pictures like you talked about earlier in the show here. Uh, I, I missed it, you know, I really enjoyed that time and and I remember those days of being there uh, on the waterfront and and enjoying that the city in that way. Uh, people leave, you know, and that doesn't mean that the their energy or their happiness towards the city or their love for the city, isn't gone. It just means that life kind of moves on and rolls along. And, and Mark Gasol is a very good example of that. So there's been a bit of tension. I wouldn't say it's a ton, but you know, obviously Mark Gasol is a flawed basketball player, as every basketball player in the history of the National Basketball Association is. And it's one of those situations where you see people either fully in on Mark winning a championship with the Toronto Raptors in the NBA Finals. Like that's me. I I want Mark to win. But then there's others who don't necessarily see it that way. They're kind of moving on from Mark, and, and it's a it's an opportunity for them to kind of push aside all the emotional stuff that we were talking about with Mike Conley. And now you can just focus on his flaws as a basketball player and being one of the reasons Toronto lost game two was exactly what Marcus all struggled with in Memphis, an unwillingness to score the basketball, lack of aggressiveness, that sort of thing. So combining all that together, Holly, What is your general take on the perception of folks that leave Memphis, whether it's uh, Mark kind of wanted to leave, but obviously he was traded. It's not like he chose in free agency to depart the city. Uh, Between folks that leave and and folks that stay, the idea of the Facebook video, uh, if you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend it. Just search Memphis Facebook video, and I'm sure you can find it on YouTube, Twitter, wherever you search things, uh, Google. And you You get the feeling that some people in Memphis i don't want to say resent the video, but if you miss Memphis so much, why leave right now everybody has their reasons, but it really kind of brings up up uh, to the heart of the matter what makes Memphis special and why do folks leave in the first place? Obviously, Marcus alls a unique specific situation, but on the grander scale, what is your take on that dynamic within Memphis between folks that have gone and folks that have stayed well it's
1: if- if we talk about what is what it is now what is that dynamic now it really i mean it does vary wildly um like you said some people kind of have that resentment like hey if you loved it so much why didn't you stay other people kind of have the the same kind of i don't it's not resentment but it's it's something where they're like well you could have if there's problems with the city then why didn't you stay to work to improve those problems Um, And that's just, it kind of just depends on your your outlook and and how uh, much slack you're willing to cut other people because other people um, are a little more positive about it. And they're like, well, hey, I don't know someone else's story about why they decided to move. I just appreciate the fact that they still love Memphis and that they're being a good ambassador for Memphis wherever they live now um and this is just like some big life lesson about you know we don't know other people's stories we haven't walked in their shoes so i'm personally hesitant to really um feel anything but kind of just appreciation for a former memphian like yourself who still speaks on the city in such high terms and you know i I don't want to debate the facebook commercial either i'm glad that it was you know positive about memphis i'm glad that it showed that people that it Memphis resonates with people. Um, you know, it's a nostalgic song. It's a song with a lot of emotion. And it's like a classic American song in the way that Memphis is a classic American city that resonates with people from around the world. Um, so while there are always going to be some people who don't understand or can't be generous um, with their uh, attitude towards someone who made a different decision than them, I think most people... Are either going to mind their own business or most people are kind of um uh, feeling like I feel where I'm like, oh, you know, I'm glad you were able to spend part of your journey here, whether you're Marcusal, um, or Joe and or, you know, anybody else, um, we're glad you're able to spend part of your journey here and, you know, just make sure you still <laughs> say nice things about us. What I would like to see um the attitude for people who leave Memphis to become is kind of touched on this earlier where we need to stop taking things so personally um we we have a lot of growth and a lot of excitement in memphis a lot of potential um for even better things to happen the city feels completely different than it did a decade ago and i think overall in a good way so you know we don't people aren't um we don't we don't need to be so offended if someone leaves right you're not going to see some of these other big cities that are a little more um communally proud of their identity getting upset if somebody moves away because that's life i'd love to see us be a little more like that um because there are you know people leave but then people come so let's focus on who's here let's focus on who still loves us and you know people from around the world love memphis i see that on our i love memphis uh blog facebook page people from all over the world are commenting about how much they just love the city there's something special here the people are special here so I'm focusing on that. Go, Mark. Go, Mark. Go. The pass is in the past. The water is under the bridge. I'm all for him um, and anybody else who still has nice things to say about Memphis.
0: And I do think that's important. You make a great point there. It's almost like being an ambassador, because whenever I talk about my time in Memphis and being there for a few years, I lived on Mud Island for a couple of years and I would walk down Beale Street dark, late at night and you know, I would do all these things and I say it to some folks who have a completely ignorant viewpoint of the city and they go, Oh my gosh. And you're still alive. You know, it's one of those kinds of things. Like it's just, it's sad almost like they don't know. They haven't experienced it and they allow other people to kind of formulate their own views when they, they, they're very, excuse me, they're being very close minded. And I think that that's like you said, very well, it's kind of a life lesson. You know what I mean? A, if i was able to i would have brought my family my parents and my wife's parents i would have convinced them to move to memphis and i would still be there to be honest with you because i had that good of an experience while i was there uh but that's just not how life works and sometimes things are larger than just you as an individual on the flip side of that i think that the folks that do go out being that ambassador that's a great way to put it uh and that's kind of how i view it i am somebody who vocalizes how important that city is to me And I recommend it to anybody who's asking for vacation ideas. Uh, I put you out there first and foremost at I love Memphis on Twitter. And I also recommend, you know, checking out the city and and not letting other people's, you know, prejudices get in the way of, of experiencing, as you put it, one of the great American cities. We're finishing up here with Holly Whitfield of the I love Memphis blog. Make sure you're following her on Twitter at I love Memphis. Holly, we'll get you out of here on this heading into our draft party. What would be, a way to get kind of like psyched up for the draft <laughs> before going to the party or even in the weeks, you know, the next couple of weekends. Cause it's not just our draft party on Thursday, June 20th, that folks should attend. There's lots of stuff going on in the city. So maybe just give a shout out to your blog and some of the stuff coming up in Memphis over the next couple of weeks.
1: Oh yeah. Well, there's always something going on in Memphis. The Levitt show Free concert, live music, outdoor series just started back up. That's like every Thursday through Sunday. That's one of our favorite things. The Redbirds are playing. Um, The 901 FC soccer team is our new professional soccer team that plays in AutoZone Park. They all have home games leading up to the draft. So if you want to like cheer on some other uh, Memphis athletics, those games are super fun. Um, I just put up a summer events guide for Memphis on ilovememphisblog.com, like you said. Um, also, you mentioned earlier that we do have a Facebook event now set up for our draft uh, watch party. So I'm going to be, we're all going to be, uh, I hope, updating and, and putting new things in as we get details about the draft watch party. Um, I am going to give away sunglasses to the first 100 people that show up. Um, so more fun news like that will be added in so you can get pumped for the actual draft party as you enjoy the rest of the city leading up to that day.
0: Holly Whitfield at I Love Memphis on Twitter. Thank you so much, as always, for your time. I appreciate you. I'm excited to see you again here in a couple of weeks. I will be in attendance. I don't know if anybody really cares about that, but I will be there uh, for the watch party. I'll also be going to FedEx Forum and covering the the events for the blog, grizzlybearblues.com. So I'll, I'll be seeing you soon, Holly. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for your time, and I'll see you on the 20th. All right.
1: See you soon. Thank you. All
0: right. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back with more Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, once again to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinex, and I'm excited for this next guest. In the previous segment, you heard Holly Whitfield of the I Love Memphis blog. She's a friend of the podcast, friend of the show, and we are doing our watch party, remember, on Thursday, June 20th at the Bluff in Memphis with 92.9 FM ESPN. Make sure you're coming out and checking that out. But now we have, for the first time, uh, a new guest on the podcast She does a remarkable job in Memphis covering sports with local 24. She's a sports anchor there, ABC in Memphis. Uh, she is finally engaged, which we'll talk a little bit about at the jump here. If you don't follow her on Twitter on Twitter, excuse me, at local 24, Jessica, maybe you don't get the joke, but she has finally kind of picked up the, picked up the slack there. Or maybe uh, Mr. Luther has picked up the slack is the better way to put it. Uh, Finally engaged, finally on GBB Live. It's been a good week or two for Jessica Benson. Jessica, how are you doing? Good. It's been an
2: exciting week. I was going to say my left hand feels a little heavy. It's, it's a little <laughs> heavier. But as you, were, as you were just saying that, I realized that my Twitter bio still says still not engaged. So I'm officially changing in this exact moment that we're speaking. I'm changing my Twitter bio to finally engaged, too. Chris
0: Luther, WMC, Action News 5. Action News 5. There you go. I like that. So, uh, you can't just so say
2: his name. You have to say the whole news. I understand.
0: I get it. No, yeah. the, you and you guys have earned that. You've earned the the Ron Burgundy news team uh, introductions. I understand completely. Uh, well, thank you for joining us. Um, in the previous segment, we talked to Holly Whitfield about our watch party, first and foremost, which hopefully maybe you and uh, Mr. Luther will be able to swing by. You might be working that night, but, uh, We talked about the energy in the city and how going from, and I know you were annoyed by this, the the debate of convey or don't convey, you know, should they send the pick to Boston? Should they hold on to it? Now that's kind of been tossed aside because you essentially win the lottery. Zion Williamson's obviously going to New Orleans, but beyond that you're the runner up in a draft that most people agree is top two to three heavy. So when it comes to the 2019 draft, you've made out like a bandit. John Morant is likely coming to Memphis have you noticed a distinct change in tone of energy around the Grizzlies? Because obviously Memphis is excited about the Tigers having the number one recruiting class, all that kind of stuff. But this is a Grizzly specific thing to be excited about. And given the way the last two years have gone, there hasn't been a ton to be super psyched about beyond Jaron Jackson Jr.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I think, I mean, it sounds cliche and impossible, but you could almost feel the energy switch on the night of the draft. And I feel like Grizzlies fans... There's something like slightly apathetic about them, just thinking that the worst will always happen. And so I don't think people truly allowed themselves to get their hopes up until that night and, you know, the ping pong balls are going and suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, the Grizzlies have the number two pick in this draft. A draft, as you said, that is widely considered a, you know, one through three kind of deal. And now that we've had some time to to really marinate, marinate, I have Mary on the brain. <laughs> Still not engaged. <laughs> Finally engaged. Uh, now that we've had time to like really marinate on all of this, it's just really cool that the entire trajectory of the immediate future of the Grizzlies has changed because it was kind of like slightly above a flat line. Like I think people were accepting the fact that this was going to become a long process and. I mean, everyone jokes, trust the process, but it was going to take some time to get excitement back around the Grizzlies. And now you have a pretty significant pulse going on, and and people really like John Morant, and I love John Morant. I fell in love with him during the NCAA tournament when he had his triple-double against Marquette, and I think a lot of people did too. And so people have, you know, significant feelings towards him, and, and yes, he's not Zion, but he's the next best thing in this draft and you I know some people you know think it's not a clear-cut decision on who the Grizzlies should take I'm on the opposite side of the equation I think if they don't take Jaw it's just silly at this point even with uh, his minor knee surgery which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit but just most importantly like the Grizzlies were at such a risk of being usurped by the Tigers because everything in this city is penny mania and there's such excitement around that program. So to now have their own level and to be able to kind of like stand on their own stool and say, Hey, we have something exciting coming in here too. That's just huge for this city. And I think, you know, I'm still relatively new in Memphis, but my belief is that this city thrives best when the Grizzlies and the Tigers both bring that unique amount of hoop city vibe
1: to it.
0: And I think the city loves basketball enough that both can be supported the way that they should be supported. And I think sometimes that gets kind of uh, thrown out there. Can the city afford to support two teams selling out the forum every other night and that sort of thing? I think, folks, what what people misunderstand or or don't fully appreciate about the city of Memphis is is just how much they love basketball, not just Tiger basketball or Grizzlies basketball after the grit and grind era, Uh, basketball in general. I mean, look at the NBA finals, even in years that aren't this season, where Marc Gasol is obviously involved, so Memphians have a rooting interest, and even Kyle Lowry to a lesser extent, if you want to bring him into it as well. Um... But even in years where there's no Grizzlies connection at all, Memphis is consistently in that top three to five cities. Sometimes they're even number one in terms of markets watching the NBA finals on the ratings. So it really is kind of fascinating to see how much Memphis loves basketball. And I think between James Wiseman and that amazing recruiting class that's coming in and Jaron Jackson Jr. and likely John Morant, there's going to be a lot of folks that want to watch a lot of basketball in the next few weeks. You mentioned John Morant's knee uh, and uh, that the RJ Barrett versus John Morant debate. To me, it's a conversation to have because all RJ Barrett did was put up stats that have only been seen, you know, by a few players over the last decade or two. And he did it in the toughest conference in America. So, I think that it's worth having the conversation, but overall, I agree with you. I think John Morant is and the I, best and pick. And I agree
2: on that too. Yeah. I think not, John Morant is the best pick for Memphis. Him and his but just given what Memphis needs at this point in time and what the jaw element brings to the table, too, there's just, you, I mean, we go back to the word excitement, and there's just something about Ja. He has that underdog grittiness that comes into play that just like Memphis just seems to constantly be able to get up for you know coming out of murray state he didn't play against the top competition in the country constantly but when he did get a chance to shine on the national stage he did just that and he made himself a household name in that small sample size of an opportunity which i think just blends in with like what memphis is all about
0: and it's a memphis story he was essentially a zero star recruit his best offer was to murray state And he's gone from that to the number two, likely number two pick in the draft. I'm with you that Memphis should take John Morant. That's never been a debate for me in terms of seriously considering RJ Barrett. For me, just like the coaching search, it's about them finding a way to better cloak what they're going to do, right? You want to maximize the value of every asset you have. The second pick has fallen into your lap maximize that value make somebody think that you might actually take rj barrett you can trade back to three if they really want rj barrett in the case of the knicks and all of a sudden you get a new asset i'm not saying the knicks would be interested in doing that maybe they would just take john morant but if you just come out and say well we're taking john morant you you lose some of that (laughs) flexibility um but maybe you think john morant's that much better and you do it does the knee thing scare you off at all because to me, I, I hear knee surgery, and I think, like, a, a shiver goes down my spine when it comes to the Grizzlies. Yeah, I was going to
2: say, with, with Grizzlies and Grizzlies fans, like, you have severe bad knee PTSD. Like, you just cringe at the word knee surgery. It could be someone's putting a Band-Aid on someone's knee, and you're like, oh, shoot, like, is he okay? Like, are we going to be okay here? So I under, I certainly understand having a little bit of a red flag raised there. You know, from everything that's been reported, it is minor knee surgery and minor actually means minor in this situation. Now, can that go towards future problems? You you never know in that situation, but I do love that. They said it's the, he removed a loose body in his knee, which sounds way crazier than it actually is. And so hopefully this is just a thing where, you know, he really is good to go in three to four weeks. But again, you know, if you are a team like the Grizzlies, that has, been burned by bad news situations, you at least want to take it into full consideration and you at least want, you know, check all your P's and Q's, make sure this isn't something that's being masked as less of an important thing than it really is. Um, But if it's not, then like I've said, you know, move forward, enjoy the excitement that comes with him and just start imagining all the fun things that he and Jaron Jackson Jr. can do someday together.
0: We're talking to Jessica Benson. She's a sports anchor and reporter over at ABC Memphis. Follow her on Twitter at local 24, Jessica, just be careful if you're around her and her left hand, it's a little bit heavier. Now she might accidentally swing it and, uh, and it could probably do some damage. The rock that's knock you out. Yeah. Knock you out. Exactly. Right. Um, We, we talked with Holly in the previous segment about the Mike Conley idea of being traded and, the the interesting counterculture because Memphis is very different, and I think most folks will agree with that that have lived there, not in a bad way at all. It's just a unique community, and you have folks that the Facebook commercial idea. You know, people are leaving. Why? Are, why is it being highlighted that folks ever left? You'd be if you liked it so much. Why don't you stay? You know, that kind of concept that kind of came up as a debate after the Facebook uh, commercial aired during Game Two of the NBA Finals. Now, Mike Conley is an NBA player, obviously a unique situation, and here's somebody who has made his life in Memphis, who was pretty freaked out at the trade deadline, didn't necessarily want to go, but because of the trust that was kind of broken, and again, it's a business, you could argue they paid him an immense amount of money, they don't really owe him anything, but in Memphis, I think fans do think they owe him something. The the way that he's invested in the city, whether it's through community work, all the good deeds that he does. Obviously the play on the floor has been pretty superb. Otherwise he wouldn't have gotten that contract in the first place. So when it comes to a Mike Conley trade, what is your baseline? Because for me, I need a first round pick back and I need a young player as a prospect. And that's the the bottom floor. I'll take any bad contract back as long as it doesn't impact re-signing Jaron. I will take back any bad money over the next two to three years if I can get those two things, a young player to develop alongside Jaron and likely Jaw, and a future first round pick, even if it's in this draft, if it allows you to get a Jarrett Culver, a Brandon Clark, somebody like that. But D- do you think it has to be to a contender? Like, does it have to go to a team like the Heat, who maybe might be a Mike Conley away from going to the playoffs? Does it have to be a current playoff team like the Nuggets or the Jazz or the Pistons? For you, do you really see that Mike Conley needs to get kind of the Marcus All treatment in terms of prioritizing putting him in a place that he can compete for a championship rather than taking the best potential package. And it sounds like with Mark, it might have worked out that way, but considering this trade's likely going to happen over the summer, there's going to be more options than there were for the services of Marcus All.
2: Right, and that's where you go exactly back to what you were saying, to what do the Grizzlies owe Mike Conley and the city's feelings of, you don't want to do this man dirty. He's been here through it all, and he's given so much to the Grizzlies. In a perfect, you know, sunshine and rainbows world, would I like to see Mike Conley traded to a contender? Absolutely. I think given everything that he's gone through – that's the best situation for him that gives him the chance to do the thing that he has now been unable to do which is he and he said it himself he doesn't want to chase a ring he wants to be a part of achieving a ring and having an actual chance to go after an NBA title but as you also said this is a business so you kind of have to get into that space where what is good for the Grizzlies and how do you check and balance you know what measures more? What's good for the Grizzlies or what's good for Mike Conley? And if you're the Grizzlies, you obviously need to act in your best interest. But I do think there is some level of respect necessary in this entire situation. And it it doesn't help that Marc all ended up in such a sweet deal and that Mike is now watching You know, the guy he played alongside for all those years actually get the chance to be on an NBA final stage. But You know, to go further into it, my whole thing with this is he's 31. He's coming off a tremendous season. Trade the man now. He's hot now. Don't risk going into next season. Don't risk seeing anything that could happen. If you're the Grizzlies, this is the best chance for you to get, you know, whatever it may be for Mike. And you got to do it now. That's the best chance that you're going to get.
0: A friend of the show, Omari Sankova of The Athletic Memphis, agrees with you. He wrote a column about that. The time is now to trade Mike Conley before it can get even more convoluted, at least by the NBA draft. Make that move. Don't wait for free agency. I can see both sides, and I'm really kind of interested. Like, For example, the Indiana Pacers are reportedly interested in Mike Conley, and I did a series about Mike Conley's value uh, for the blog. And I did a trade idea, I think it was DeMontis Sabonis, the young player, uh, Doug McDermott, the salary that makes the trade work, and a Pacers first-round pick. And the Indiana Pacers fans, I I think I might even had two first-round picks. Either way, Pacers fans were so intrigued by this trade. I was invited on multiple Pacer podcasts to explain that (laughs) move. And like Pacers fans were really excited about it. I thought it might have been too much for Mike, and they were like, can we do this trade now? Um, Because DeMontis Simonis is a sixth-man-of-the-year candidate, and you have multiple picks, like I said. What to you is fair value? Like, Would you be outraged by that Indiana deal? Do you think that Mike can fetch more? is there a line in the sand that you're not willing to cross where you say, I don't care if Mike Conley and John Morant are on the same team. I'm not going to move him for that little in terms of a package.
2: Well, I think you just, you want to do whatever gains you the most value, not just in the immediate future, but for the long-term game point. So like you said, getting someone who's young, getting someone who's coming up and can continue to help build this core nucleus around Jaron, around potentially John Morant. And that's the most exciting piece that you can get. Like, you don't want the Grizzlies to be good next season. You want the Grizzlies to be good for the next six, seven, eight, however long you can ride with this. The thing with, you know, things like the Pacers, the Jazz, the Pistons, these were all teams that flirted with them back in February. So how different are these packages going to be now that we're months later that's the big question and we'll see if something can come up there. But when you talk about line in the sand, I just think as long as the Grizzlies are getting some kind of long term value, be it in first round picks, young players, that's what you need to be focused on because that's the whole thing is how this works in the future.
0: We're finishing up here with Miss Jessica Benson again, sports anchor over at ABC in or ABC Memphis, excuse me. Uh, make sure you're following her on Twitter. If you don't already do so, at Local24 Jessica, happy to have her here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live, hopefully the first of multiple future appearances. Hopefully the Grizzlies will eventually hire a coach and we can start talking about that. But uh, in the time that we have, that's probably its own separate podcast, how they've handled that. Um, I do want to get you out of here on this. Jonas Valanciunas was interviewed a week or two ago. It might have been a little bit longer now. Uh, talking about what he might do with his player option. That decision's coming up in the next few weeks, and that might be even more incentive for Memphis to trade Conley before that option so Valanchunas can either opt out, and that frees up more money for the Grizzlies in terms of salary cap, or opt in if they decide to keep Mike, or it allows for them to trade Valanchunas. What is your opinion on Jonas (laughs) Valanchunas' future in Memphis? Because on one hand— Lots of folks see Jaron Jackson Jr. as a modern five in the NBA, a big man that can play and defend not just the rim, but at the perimeter or out in the perimeter. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas can't really do that. But at the same time, something that Jaron struggles with right now in his youth is the physicality to be able to be a dominant rebounder, and that's one of Jonas Valanciunas' strengths. So I suggested re-signing him for a deal that is the length of Jaron's rookie contract obviously with a couple of team options that Memphis will clearly opt into. And maybe you let Valanchunas walk after that, but it gives Jaron a few years to physically develop before you throw him to the wolves, so to speak, and make him a guy who's your primary player around the rim for rebounding and that sort of thing. Uh, Some folks like that idea, some folks didn't. I'm curious as to what you think Valanchunas' future will be in Memphis with the Grizzlies.
2: I actually agree with that a lot. I think he made such a good impression last year in Memphis. So there is a positive reaction to him just based on what he did in a short sample size. But like, you're also not going to make all of your future decisions around JV for the long game either. So if you can look at it in a sense that, you know, he's in his prime, he gives you this tremendous physical rebounder and kind of allows Jaron to have a more natural development as opposed to forcing him into this quicker, quicker trajectory, forcing him maybe to be something he's not quite ready to be just yet. That's the most helpful thing about keeping Valentinus and and allowing those two to kind of work together. I mean, he has said that he wants to see who the coach will be. That's, probably not going to be an option given that we aren't talking about the Grizzlies hiring a coach just yet. And like you said, we're just over a week away from him having to decide if he's going to opt into his option or not. He also made a comment about meeting Mike Conley. So I thought that was kind of interesting just looking into his headspace of what his expectations or his desires would be staying with the Grizzlies. But I think for lack of better options, he'll end up opting in and we will see him again next year. And I think, that's, I think that's a real positive for Memphis.
0: And he's probably not going to make that much money. I think his player option is $17.6 million. I don't think he's going to make that much in an individual year ever again. He might get a three- or four-year contract, but it's not going to be for $18 million a year. I just don't necessarily see a big of his skill set making that kind of money. It's possible. It only takes one team to fall in love with what Valanchunas can do, and there's definitely value in it. But I do believe I, I'm with you. I think he's gonna opt in and and he'll be a grizzly. And worst case scenario, if he opts in, they trade Mike, he's unhappy. That expiring contract that isn't as big as, say, Chandler Parsons should be valuable to a contending team. Come trade deadline time, and Memphis can add more assets as they go along. Ms. Jessica Benson, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on your engagement. Uh and I know we're talking about possibly uh doing an appearance on your show there in Memphis when when I'm there on June 20th, June
2: 21st. Absolutely. And hopefully we'll be talking about an exciting draft night for the Grizzlies.
0: Yes. I'm excited to be back in Memphis. I'm excited to be chatting with you again. Thank you so much for your time here on GBB Live, Jessica. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thanks again to Jessica. Thank you to Holly Whitfield in our previous segment. Both terrific guests on our podcast today. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at GBB Live. You can follow the blog SBNationsGrizzlyBearBlues.com at SBN Grizzlies. And you can follow me at Joe Mullinax. In a couple of days, we'll have an updated podcast. We're going to be talking exclusively about the NBA draft. I'm going to embarrass myself with my top 14 picks, big board wise. Looking forward to that. And it's going to be, a uh, an interesting kind of deep dive into some of these prospects, the idea of Jaw versus RJ and that sort of thing. That'll be coming out in the next few days. But until then again, thank you to Jessica. Thank you to Holly. And thanks to you for listening. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live.